This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Cedic Run. Cross-country season is fast approaching, which means it's probably time for a new pair of trainers and a fresh pair of spikes. A new pair of shoes is one of the best methods for injury prevention. That, combined with the expert help you're going to receive from Richard and Adam at the shop, is the best recipe for feeling good and staying out of the training room this fall. Not running cross-country, but training for a fall marathon instead? Find a new pair of carbon-plated shoes, stock up on all the nutrition products you'll need for fueling, and get any and all accessories you'll need for the perfect buildup and race day. All that and more is available at Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Forks. Today's guest is the newest coach of Bradley University's cross-country and track and field program, Andrew Carlson. Andrew is a Fargo native. He attended Fargo South, where he had a pretty illustrious career. Uh, culminated in one state title, but it really catapulted the rest of his running career. The way that he fell in love with running there kind of set up everything else that was to follow. He ended up going to the University of Minnesota where he had a pretty successful career. He was able to go from getting his butt kicked every single day to all of a sudden becoming one of the top runners on the team and one of the top runners in the country as a result. He ran professionally following college and on today's podcast, you're gonna hear so many incredible stories about his professional running career and his high school and college for that matter. But uh, something about his running professional career is that even though he was Cam and I's coach for a long time, we knew he was a pro. I didn't know except for a few stories about his career. So it was fun for me to get to learn some of that for the first time and hear a few tales that I had not heard before. So we're excited that you're gonna get the chance to listen to those too. And most importantly, Andrew has been an awesome coach and mentor for both Cam and I over the years. Uh, Cam got to work directly with him uh, running cross and track at North Dakota State. And I was able to pick his brain when it came to some of the distance events. And you'll hear us open up the episode and chat about that a little bit more. But Andrew has become an incredible mentor and resource and friend for us over the years, too. Um, we've really enjoyed getting to know him uh, post-collegiately and, and get to see him continue with his great success. Now, I will tell you right here is uh, it's a long episode and this isn't even everything. We had to end it. Uh, cut it a little bit short because it was getting late. There's going to be a part two. We're hoping that comes soon, maybe even as soon as this week. But keep your eyes open for that, your ears open for that as well. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. We are so excited that we have the opportunity just to keep bringing good interviews like this uh, back. It's so fun to kind of dive back into a more of a Legends episode. That's where the whole podcast started was Cam and I wanted to interview some of the legends of the sport. And we feel like we've been able to do that over the years. We've gone to more covering of uh, recent events and current events in the track and field world, which has been great, but it's a joy for us to get to sit down and hear some of these stories uh, that help us fall in love with the sport all over again, too. So if you want ways to support the podcast, if you like what you hear, you want us to keep putting out content, uh, just make sure you continue to listen, continue to share and like our stuff on social media as a big driver for us. Um, and also, if you want to support us financially, an awesome way that you can do that, a win-win situation, buy one of our bucket hats. So if you head to the links in either our Facebook or Instagram bio, and if it's not in Facebook, I'll make sure it's there, or reach out to us, we can get it to you as well. But uh, there's an opportunity, you can buy a bucket hat with our logo on it. It's a khaki color. Uh, it's pretty cool. We've seen some of you sporting it and a few of the photos that you've sent us. It's look, it's a good look. It really is, and uh, maybe my biased opinion, but if you want to support us that way too, we'd love that. So head to the link in our bio. Be sure to purchase one of those and uh, look good at this fall in uh, cross country season or your marathon buildup, whatever you're doing, or if you're just hanging out, uh, it's all great. So, 
Enough about us, however. Uh, let's dive into the latest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. And today, we I think this is a perfect transition episode. Cam and I have wanted to go back into the North Dakota Legends episodes. We've been doing a lot of current stuff, and we've got the perfect blend here because we have newly minted Bradley University head cross-country and track and field coach Andrew Carlson. Andrew is a Fargo native, went to Fargo South, was a state champion there, went on to have a tremendous career at the University of Minnesota and has now gone into the coaching ranks where he's jumped around a little bit, was at NDSU, coached Cam in cross-country and track NDSU, and uh, has had a few stops along the way, but is now at Bradley University where he was named head coach just under two weeks ago. So, Andrew, you have been on the podcast before as a guest host. Now you're a guest. Welcome back. Well, thank you. And, I, I mean, I did coach Cam, obviously, but I think I coached you in the, in the thousand indoors as well in that last event. Um, and the 1500 outdoors as well. So I, I'm going to take some credit for you as well, Ryan, um, Perfect. because you're one of my favorite people to cheer for, because it felt like when I would cheer for you, you would respond, mm-hmm. you know? So I remember still when one before one of the, you made me totally uncomfortable before like <laughs> one of those thousands at the end, when you, you demanded that I yell, put on a show at you during the race, <laughs> which is not something I wanted to be yelling. Uh, but I did it because I knew how much it pumped you up. So you were always fun to watch uh, run your distance events too, Ryan. So give yourself some credit um, well, in that I'll way. T- I was actually going to bring up that same story because I think I had you yell like multiple things. Um, like I'd yeah, I think the only one I agreed to. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Andrew, whatever you do, you need to be at this place on this lap and yell something at me. And it was always something like that. Like, Put on a damn show, or I'm trying to think what some other ones were. But. Well, my favorite thing was when Maltese come up to me like five minutes before a thousand or fifteen hundred and ask me, "How do you think I should do this?" Because I'm the distance coach, and I'm like, "If you haven't spent you know time thinking about how you're going to do this up to this point, like I think you might be in trouble." Um, but but no, I still remember this one in particular, like. It was one of those home meets, so the second day was like the final of the multi, you know. So there's no one there. It was just like you guys finish the events out. Yeah. So it's like it's just NDSU guys. There's no fans besides like parents, and then there was like me, and the, I think like four or five of you came up to me beforehand asking me what you should do, and I just was like, I've seen you guys do this. You need to take it easy at the start. You always go out so hard, and everyone nodded at me. And then uh, Coach Goris was there at the time. I think he put on like the deck rock mix and the gun went off and Daniel Asa started screaming and you all just sprinted (laughs) as fast as you could. And then uh, that was the day I think I saw Teddy Rainwater like stumble for the last 60 meters doing somersaults (laughs) to get through to the finish. So did I get that one right? Teddy Rainwater? You did. Yes. Oh uh... my gosh. Okay. I had Teddy Bridgewater come through my head right away, but then I was like, that's not it for sure. Oh my gosh. That story has come up multiple times um, of that exact race, but 
Yes, that was quite the memorable. <laughs> that was also the same meet where uh, after day one, Angus had been drinking some concoction of like Red Bull, Gatorade G2, <laughs> coconut water, and like so, um, probably like a four loco, if we're being honest. <laughs> and he like was throwing just this med ball as hard as he could for like 30 minutes straight. And people were going up like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I see demons. It's like the, he did this in the middle of a of like a it was like on. between day one and day two yeah, oh like, my oh gosh God. yeah the <laughs> multi-crew mean, just so wrong yes. like just willing to try whatever it takes to get an edge <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what though it is so painful in a race running the 1500 right like i know i'm not going fast but it hurts but i think it's more painful to watch a multi-1500 because i'm like these guys are going so slow and you look at their oh. face and you're like, this guy looks like this is like 335 effort and he's only going to yes. run five flat. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, so I've had started a tradition when I turned 40. Um, so it's only been two times now, but I, I hope to keep it on into the future that I run a birthday mile. Um, just see where I'm at, check in on life. You know, I think that's a good gauge for me um, mm-hmm. to kind of see where things are. So the first year I did it, I was like not in good shape when I, I started my training like four weeks out. And, but I ended up muscling out a, a 451 just on adrenaline. Um, and like a bunch of people came to the track. There was a drone, like cameras. So I like, I put on a show, Ryan, for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then we, we went to ACC's uh, two weeks or three weeks later. And I was watching the deck 1500. And the gun goes off and I'm just like, these guys are so slow. Like, oh my gosh, this is painful to watch. They were running the exact pace I was running at the birthday mile. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's how I looked. It felt like I was like sprinting the whole time. Like my hair was flying back, you know, all of that. And I'm like, okay. So you know, they're going faster than they look like they are, but they're just so big typically that it's like, looks so painful. Um, so. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's not fun. It's not fun. But I don't have enough, a, I don't have a segue from that story. So I was just gonna say to enough, okay, enough yeah, about the athletes. <laughs> <laughs> the whole like, kind of like I mentioned in the intro, you are like North Dakota native through and through. Um, just tell us a little bit about like your running background because I think we'll probably talk a lot about coaching on this episode. But I don't yeah. want to be lost on the fact of how good of a runner you were and oh, kind of like well, where, your origin story. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that too. And it's been kind of funny because as this new coaching opportunity has, has happened, um, it's been a lot of meeting people um, and a lot of introducing myself and getting to know. I mean, I've known, had Zoom interviews with every single athlete we have on, on the team. Um, and so throughout it, I'm telling my origin story, you know, how I got into this because I want to know where they came from. So I've actually told this story a lot recently. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. Um, but I was one of like, I played all the sports growing up. I was never a runner. I was never like the fast person in class, nothing like that. Um, but I joined track in seventh grade and then, you know, started as a hundred meter runner. And I think by the end of the first week I was in the mile group. Um, clearly somebody could see something in me that I had no sprint speed. Um, <laughs> so by the end of the week, cause I was doing it to like get in shape for baseball and like get faster. I remember my dad like asking me like, Oh, what are you doing at the first meet? I was like, I'm running the mile. <laughs> He's like, I don't think it's going to help you in baseball. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's what they told me to do. Yeah. Um, so I ran track seventh grade and then I decided to retire from football 
in eighth grade to just focus on basketball. I really wanted to go all in. And uh, at the time, and the reason I'm saying all this is like, it's kind of crazy that my whole life has been predicated on like this one moment. Um, but my sister was dating the captain of the cross country team at Fargo South. And uh, his name was Brian McCulley. And he was one of these guys that like, he, he how often is the captain of the cross country team also the coolest guy in the high school? <laughs> not I can't, I, I know was... you, I know, I, I know it wasn't you and it wasn't me. I can not when that. I was the captain <laughs> of the cross country team. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I could have guessed that. And I'll say uh, the same thing on my end, uh, but he kind of had like ascended the social ladder, <laughs> you know, in a weird way. Uh, he was like the homecoming king. Like I, I didn't really know him that well, but he was like kind of a legend because he was a really good athlete as well. Um, I don't know if he has any more state records left, but like made it to Foot Locker and all of this stuff. Um, but I was shooting hoops in the driveway and he left the house and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm getting ready for basketball season. And he's like, you should join cross country. And I didn't even know what cross country was, but this guy was so cool. I just agreed to it. Um, and the season had already started. Um, so I joined two weeks in, I just went to practice the next day. I was like, Oh, it's, it's like running. Okay. Um, like I didn't know what the competitions were like, nothing, but by the end of the season, my eighth grade year, I made it to state. Um, now I know we have North Dakotans on this call and I don't want to disparage the North Dakota qualifying system for the state cross country meet, but it, it, it's every team gets to go and everyone gets to bring 10 people. Right. Is it still that way? Yes, I, yeah. I qualified so, for state cross country. So yeah, so <laughs> yeah, just, so yeah. I qualified for state because I was our tenth man on a twelve man team, and pretty much from that moment forward, it's been all running. I was like, that was enough for me. Like that felt like I made the Olympics, and it's like all of a sudden I was like, I think I can do this in college. I think I can be good at this. All of that, and I still played basketball a few more years, but around tenth grade, I just kind of went all in on running. Um, from that point but it's so funny like if i hadn't been shooting hoops in that driveway that night i probably would have never ran <laughs> really. mm-hmm. yeah. so at four that happened when i was 12 and 29 years later i'm still this is all i think about um which is pretty cool so that's kind of my my background and then you know i ran for rod hardy at, at fargo south who just got in the national coaches hall of fame um i see a lot of a lot of kids these days will have like private coaches or, or, you know, like go from a club or whatever. Um, back in the day, you just had who you had. I was really, really lucky to have him um, be at Fargo South because just pretty random, but he really instilled like a deep passion for the competition part of the sport. Um, because like my first few weeks running cross country, I was still saying the things like, oh, I'm just doing this to get in shape for basketball. And he really wouldn't allow us to talk like that. It's like, no, if you're here, you know, we're going to compete. We're going to try to do well. So that kind of got taken out right away for me, this idea that like running is for something else, like running's for running. Um, and I really liked that part. So obviously, so I ran Fargo South and then I went to the University of Minnesota um, and ran for Steve Placentia, which is was a huge blessing for me as well and something I still keep in contact with. And then had a nine-year professional career after that um, before starting my coaching. So that's the uh, short version of it, but yeah, it all kind of happened in a driveway in South Fargo. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I I feel like so many runners, you know, track athletes, you know, whatever event can kind of think to one specific event, you know, in their life. Yeah, that, 
you know, maybe it was like an accident or they, you know, tried, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> tried yeah. something different and, and it like worked out for them either through the, their own natural talent or, you know, yeah. Or, or yeah, or like a good connection, you know, with a coach or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think at the moments where I would have thought if I wanted to do this or not, I had so many people around me that were just awesome, you know? So it's like, I never really had that, like, I'm going to quit type thing because I, I enjoyed it so much. And it probably had more to do with the people than anything at the start, yeah. because I, I wasn't like in eighth grade, just like loving going for a run. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Like that didn't really, that like passion for it and enjoyment of it didn't come out till later. Uh, like the training element. I liked the competition at, right away, but like the training part kind of takes a little while to, to develop a taste for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so the camera knows this. Um, I've said this for my entire coaching career. It's like redefining the term fun. Um, like what's fun? Like fun is, you know, going to the movies or whatever. But then when you kind of look at it, like fun is pursuing like a big goal or working together with people or, or all of that, then, then it kind of makes the work more doable. Um, when you understand there's an enjoyment factor to it as well, but that took a little bit of time. Cause I'm not going to say like eighth grade, I started training hard. I remember before ninth grade, um, Ghislaine Orvik was our coach for one fall. Um, do you guys know Mr. Orvik? Yeah. Okay. Wonderful person. Um, but he was our coach for one fall because Rod had taken a, a job at NDSU. And I remember, I still remember my dad, the one time he's ever asked me in my life, he's like, have you, have you gone for a run recently? It's the one time he's ever asked. I said, no. And he's like, when's cross country start? I was like, uh, in a few weeks. He's like, well, you should probably start training. Um, so I remember we had these logs that we had to turn in. You probably had at your high school camp. Yep. Oh yeah. So like 500 mile club, 400 mile club, and you get like a yep. t-shirt or a sweatshirt or whatever. I remember I turned in my log and I lied. I lied on my log and I lied. And I said, I ran 13 miles that summer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a very reasonable number that would like, that'd be like acceptable. You know, like mm-hmm. I probably run like three, you know? Um, but I was like, I'll put 13 down because I bet that'll get me, get me through. But now looking back on it, I'm like 13 miles as a lie is an insane number. (laughs) A terrible lie. (laughs) Terrible lie. Yeah. But thankfully I didn't say like 300 because obviously I wasn't in very good shape when the season started. So 13 seemed like kind of where I was at. Um, So, but yeah, no, Mr. Orvick was awesome. Like that. I I have a lot of fun memories from that fall uh, because Rod was like super, like organized, like the first day of practice, you got every workout you're going to do the whole year, like in a packet and all this stuff. And Mr. Orvik would just like, he was the same, but he would also just drive his blue truck around. And like, if you were dying, he'd just throw you in the back of it and drive you back to, drive you back to school. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, so that's where it kind of started. But um, yeah, you kind of have those moments where something just clicks um, and you're like, "I, I think I like this you know and i think i enjoy doing this um but you're right cameron absolutely and that like that's like an american kid thing um the international athletes i've had the chance to work with it always is kind of the same story like oh i joined my club when i was six years old and i had the same coach through high school you know and american kids it's like 
yeah, I don't know. I was playing football and I just wasn't getting tired. So they told me to run cross country. instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. And then I was the state champ. Who knew? <laughs> right. Oh. So, but when did you start cam? Like, what do you have that moment? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it all started with like the, uh, coach Zimney who was, you know, Ryan's hurdle coach at red river. And, you know, yeah, he's, he's won some like awards for like coaching in the coaching hall of fame and stuff. Right. Ryan. Yep. Yep. It, it, I mean, we should do a little research on like how many historic coaches have come through like North Dakota. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough so one. he would host these track meets in the summer, youth track meets, you know, mo- every Monday night in June free to come to, you know, they would give out ribbons for first, second, third and all that stuff. Uh, usually it was like the 60, the 50 meter dash and the, um, okay. you know, the softball throw and stuff like that. But <laughs> at the end of every meet was a mile, like a community mile, like anybody okay. and everybody could run it. And so I remember like when I was like five, like I, I was like young, I did the mile like with my dad and I like ran the whole thing. And now it's kind of like the first uh, time where like I got positive feedback from people like, Oh my goodness, like <laughs> you're good at this, you know? And so then I just always remember like being slow during like recess in elementary school and stuff, but I could go forever. You know, if we were just like, yeah, if we had to run for all of recess, I was beating everybody. Everybody would just give up. (laughs) Cameron's origin story does not surprise me. Does it surprise Mm -hmm. you, Anderson? No, not at all. Five years old. Cameron is uh, one of the, the most solid people I've ever met in my life, Ryan. Like very, like obviously an emotional guy. We know that, but like very solid, never complained. But the one time, and Cameron knows this, <laughs> that he, he squeal whined, squeal yeah. whined, Ryan, when I told him that he had to take a day off. <laughs> like, that was it. Because <laughs> he was on his break. He had, like, that, it was at the off, end of the season. It was, it was like three days in. He's like, can I just go for a five-mile run? And I'm just like, no. And he's like, oh, come on. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what was that, Cameron? Like, now for sure you can't go for a run today after that. Oh, and I knew right away. Like I threw I threw this fit and then I was like, I'm sorry. I'll take I'll take a day off. You know what? I'll take two days off. Yeah, yeah take, take good the rest me. of the week off, Cameron, yeah. like we like we had planned. Yeah. You need a rest. Oh, but man. were you competing in these meets, Anderson? I very infrequently. I'd show up like once a summer to one of them. Um, okay but no i know that's like a lot of kids in grand forks that's kind of how they got their start or at least got a taste of what track and field was yeah that's awesome so yeah okay to to go before i answer the next question brian mccauley did have one last state record until this season he had the 800 record oh uh, yeah i saw it got broke but went down so yeah cameron cameron did your brother run faster than the time too no, he was like two two tenths off of what McCullough okay. ran. I think it was less okay. than that, wasn't it? Like more like two hundredth. It was like really, really close. Yeah, but yeah, because the one guy broke it, and then Cam's brother was like really close. But that that mm-hmm. record was set in like nineteen ninety five or six, would be my guess. Yeah, I think so. That's I mean, right. that's a long standing record to get broken, and to have two guys one break it, one be that close is is incredible. Um, that long on. Because I remember he ran 152 and 413 when he was in high school and then made Foot Locker. So that was his marks at the time. But yeah, 
yeah, I was, I was talking to Quinn about that race after, and I was like, dude, you, you can't be disappointed. You're like the no. fastest, <laughs> you're the fastest second place finisher ever. And like your second place almost set like the state, the state yeah, record. Ab- you know, absolutely. He's like, I know it was kind of funny. I got a, I got a message from, uh, like Brady Yoder's dad, just like, I think that's who, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. He was like congratulating Quinn and he's like, yeah, man. And he'll just, him and Brady, will have to hang out. Cause they're in a, in a special group of the fastest losers in state history or something <laughs> like that. Cause Brady, Brady broke. Yeah. I think he broke nine in the two mile and got second, oh, that, you know, yeah, so that was at the state. Year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But. I was, oh man, I was, I mean, man, I was so surprised that, I mean, I knew Quinn was fast, but I yeah. still just like cannot comprehend because like, okay. So, so he's third fastest in the 800 in, in like state history now. And I was like thinking back to like when like the Lang gangs, you know, or like when, when you were in high school and like running your times and we're the top of the state, like it seemed like, uh, like it, Jake especially was just like, a little like transcendent like because he was like so yeah absolutely good for so many years and like the Oregon you know recruiting connection you know like all that yeah but then to have like my brother run faster than (laughs) all those guys yeah it's just like I know it's like I never heard maybe it's because he's my brother but it's like nobody ever like talked about Quinn like he was like that guy you know like everybody knew he was was pretty good and stuff but yeah. Uh, just well, like so I saw the different. picture though, Cam, because I knew Quinn when I was recruiting you because you were my first weekend at NDSU, if yeah, you remember. Yeah. And then I saw a picture because I was surprised when I saw the time and then I saw a picture and I'm like, oh, well, Quinn's a man now. Yeah. I still pictured him like I saw him like when I first met him. I'm like, that guy ran 152? And I see the photo. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like six five and chiseled now. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Andrew, just to kind of like you know, tie up like the high school portion of the interview, yeah. like what was like maybe one or two of your favorite races or moments, uh, racing at Fargo South? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know, I know the first one, um, for sure. Cause I've always said if, uh, if the Olympic trials had been held in Valley city, North Dakota, I absolutely would have made the team. Like, I, <laughs> for whatever reason, I was lights out in Valley city. Um, it's like my first ever cross country meet there, but, um, my, my junior year, I had uh, I had gone all in on training. Like that was the point where I was like, I was all in. I'd like built up to like 70 miles a week in the summer. I'd gotten up to 80 miles a week when I went to this running camp in Utah. I was like, that's when I fully just realized I'm just a running guy. You know, like this is me. Um, so I went all in and like could not wait to come back and just stop people. You know, like I just like, I'm going to do this. And then we went to the first meet of the season and my PR from sophomore year was like 1638 or something 5k, but it was in Grafton. Thinking back on all this stuff, it's like, was that course accurate? I have no idea, but that was my (laughs) PR, a super flat course. And um, I thought I was just going to crush that time. The first meet of the season, we went to the Jamestown originals meet and uh, I ran 1651 and I got second place. And like, I, it was the most devastating result at the time because it just felt like I was so much better and I remember like driving home on the bus just like thinking like I'm so much better than that now I don't know like what happened maybe like none of this like worked maybe none of it made sense I like did the wrong thing 
Um, but then we went to Valley City and I just like caught one and I ran 1533 for 5k and like won by 30 seconds. And that was like, not saying that to brag, like we're talking about something that happened in 1997 or something here, but like, <laughs> that was like a moment, like in time, like during that race where I just felt like I, I kind of like figured it out at that moment. Like, okay, this is, I'm good at this. Like, I know I'm good at this and I know I've trained really hard. Um, but then the funny thing is, is the second moment I remember from that year is our state meet, my junior year, I basically like freaked out and dropped out of the race um, my junior year. So what started as this like amazing season that I was ranked number one all year actually ended in like despair. Like, I mean, I, it was in yeah. Minot. I think I cried the whole way home and Minot to Fargo is a pretty long drive. Um, just sobbing, you know, cause it, but then you look back on those moments and you realize in the moment, it's like the worst thing that could have happened. Um, but as you get on in life, you look back and you realize like, clearly it's something I cared a lot about. Um, this was like meant a lot to me to have something bad happen even. Cause I liked all the good stuff. The good stuff was easy. That was really fun. I hadn't really dealt with like something really bad. Um, and I was happy because the way I responded in that moment was just to train harder. Um, there were a lot of moments like that. I had, I always tell people like I had a lot of great moments in my career, far more bad ones, <laughs> way yeah. more bad yeah. ones. Uh, thankfully as time goes on, you start to forget those a little bit more. Um, but they were, they were as important as any of the good moments because they always like came back. Like I knew my professional career was done when like I was starting to struggle towards the end. And I just didn't have that like same comeback, like from disappointment. It just kind of started weighing a little bit heavier. Um, so that was, that was a, a big moment for me was my junior year at, in, in Valley city, North Dakota, for sure. I, uh, I also love that Valley city course. I, I don't know. Cause is it the same now? Do you go up the hill at first and then you bomb down it at the end? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. It's at least that's how it was when we ran. That was, was when I ran it. it. They, they, they might've changed it. They might've changed yeah. it a little bit since then, but yeah, yeah, that was like Valley city was the first place I ran a state meet. And I think I was like, the only reason I got on is because a bunch of guys on the team got like swine flu. Like I was like our 13th guy. <laughs> and then and then one guy just didn't show up to practice. And two other guys about swine, flu. About the swine flu. I just hadn't heard that reference in a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy year, but uh, they get mad cow too. What happened? Yeah. yeah. It was nuts, but yeah, but, but I, I, back, I, though, I remember it. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to, I mean, I got to, I got to run and then I ended up being like, you know, our, our eighth, like our seventh or eighth guy on the team. And it was just like, I remember yeah. after the race, there's a video my dad took on his, you know, his iPhone one or whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was just like, <laughs> how'd you feel? I was like, amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and I think, I think that's like you said, like, so I would have been eighth grade. So, I mean, I didn't like running really yeah. seventh grade until probably like that race when it like really went really well for me. Yeah. So, well, and I, I remember that downhill of that day because I probably, I mean, I'm sure I had have the, the reputation of being arrogant, but part of it was like, I don't think I was arrogant on the inside, but I was very excitable, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. mm -hmm. so like, and I'd grown up playing all the sports and like watching like, my favorite basketball player was Reggie Miller. 
who is like yeah. the most cocky, like crap talking all the time. So like, that's the way I like saw the sport. So I remember coming down that hill, like raising the roof and doing like the Hulk Hogan, like for the crowd. It's <laughs> just like, you know, I was just so like excited though. Like it wasn't like, it didn't feel like arrogance at the time. It just felt like this is what you do when you're excited and winning, you know, like this is awesome. But actually it, this jogged a memory for me because when I was in ninth grade, um, you know, you get the sheet for like the meat thing. So there were no iPhone ones, even Cameron, you were given a physical <laughs> document when you got on the bus uh, of like the course. And then I always look as to like what got awards. So it's yeah, like, yeah. Be like top 25, get a t-shirt. I'm like, okay. So I like start the race and I just be like counting people back the whole time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, I think I'm in 24th. I think I'm good for the shirt. You know, that's yeah, all yeah. I ever did. I always was like, <laughs> one or two ahead of getting the prize. And so EDC uh, was in Jamestown my ninth grade year. And it's top, it was top 15 where all EDC. So I'm doing my thing and I'm counting people back, you know, and I, I miscounted and I got, I got 16th oh, place, no. but I also did not have a good day because that was like the first time I had the song unanswered prayers by Garth Brooks in my head the whole time. <laughs> And I just felt awful. Like I had this song in my head. I was struggling, but I thought I was still in 15th. So I'm good, you know? And then I got across the line and they gave me like a popsicle stick or however they were like giving us our results. And I was like 16th. So I didn't get a plaque. I didn't get to like get an award. Right. And I just like flipped out. I started throwing <laughs> my stuff around. I was like kicking my stuff. Mr. Orvik was the coach. I remember he like grabbed me and wrap me up and he's like we're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay I'm like, we're not gonna be okay i didn't get a plaque you know and uh like i've never just like been a emotional meltdown because of this and then we went to state the next weekend i was so mad i got 14th at state so i actually got 16th in the conference and then the next week i got 14th and like got all state and a plaque and all of that so that was like my big like big push to like i'm never letting this happen again like, I'm not going to count back anymore. But like, oh. I can't, I got to, you know, I just got to beat as many people as possible, which is racing. <laughs> that's what yeah. you do. You don't the count exact back. Definition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's you, when it woke up. I'm like, yeah. Can you imagine if like Jakob Ingerbritsen, you know, is in a diamond league and he's just sitting, you know, there counting back like, oh man, just got to be top five in the diamond league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like maybe I could be four but I'm not willing to put forth that effort, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I could have maybe finished higher in some of these other races, I would say, but like yeah. that part, I don't think I even knew how the scoring worked because yeah. clearly <laughs> I wasn't helping the team by like measuring my performance based yeah. on like awards. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of flipped for me in ninth grade, which, which was a good thing. I needed that. Um, so my Valley story, my Valley city story, I'll share it and then we'll, we'll move Please. on. Please. But- uh my senior year that's where state was our senior year that's where state yeah. was cam took like third i think i took like no, 77 i took i took fourth i was a 10th behind b shield try okay so cam takes fourth i think Rip. i took 77th or something like that but my memory is hitting the downhill and i'm a senior at this time but who's my teammate it's 12 year old jake arison um <laughs> okay and, and the, i think the, i've seen this photo you've probably seen it i'm like you know, yeah. six, five, and he's like five, six. Um, but then 
the other person, I remember hitting that downhill and probably 10, 15 meters ahead of me is 12 year old Alex lose. And I'm like, oh. I can't <laughs> lose to this kid. Yeah. All I had heard was Jake Arison telling me that he was the second best 12 year old in the conference behind <laughs> Alex Lewis. I was like, I cannot. I just remember going full sprint mode, picking up the knees. I probably like yeah. turned around, stared him down as I went by. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and oh then being gosh. like out of breath for the next two hours. But yeah. I, I, I don't think I knew you ran cross country. Now, even though I saw that photo, I think I saw that photo later, but like now I'm thinking about it. I think I would have had higher expectations for you in the 1500 then, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's a, it's a good thing you didn't on. know. Good thing yeah. you didn't know. <laughs> you Ryan, maybe would have been get... yelling expletives at me instead of some <laughs> yeah, of the fun yeah. things. <laughs> did you get an Elite 80 shirt, Ryan? Dude, I don't think they did that. I had always oh. heard about how. What is Elite 80? Oh man, it was a big deal for me. So that eighth grade year when I, uh, you know, had kind of my breakout race at, at that Valley city course, you come across the finish line and they gave me, if you were top 80, you got like this sheet of paper, you know, an order form basically for this t-shirt, you're elite 80 in the state or whatever. It was some like company that this is what they did. Oh, I see. And, yeah, and yeah. For, okay. for Chris, for Christmas that year. I got an elite 80 shirt and it just has the names of the top 80 athletes, you know, at the state meet, you know, we don't have to talk about the fact that there was only 120 athletes maybe yeah, was had gonna, in the race. I was, I was say, elite 80. I was going to say, I was going to say, I would have been right around 79. If I do that, I would have <laughs> never gotten a 14. That would have been like, I would get that elite 80 shirt. I'm uh, good. People. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a, that's hilarious. Oh, elite 80. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's at the conference. That was the no, state no, in, in the state. Oh, that's at state. state. Okay. Yeah. okay. I was going to say, I okay. don't even know if there's 80 kids in the conference. No, Ryan, there is because it, the JV and the varsity are the same. Yeah. yeah oh. that's a good point. Conference. But okay. I, so, I mean, people, people go to like athletic net now to, you know, look up results of races, you know, pass yeah. and stuff. I would just pull out my elite 80 shirt. And then see where I w- where I was compared to where other people, <laughs> like year after year. I would. That, <laughs> I would that look reminds back. me because I I said that thing about when I went to that Utah uh, running camp, which was yeah. which awesome. It was like Ed Stone, Paul Cummings, and Paul Pilkington. So they're like all professional runners and everything. But the reason I even found out about that because it, we weren't on the internet yet at that point. I don't think, or if we were, I didn't know how to get to like a running website. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we, I got a letter in the mail from the, at the high school, um, that I was invited to this elite camp for having finished top 10% in the state. And <laughs> that, that sold me. I remember yeah. telling my parents, I'm like, I don't think I have a choice here. Like <laughs> they're only inviting the elite of the elite. It's like, was it free then? No, no, it costs a lot of money, to do this. <laughs> but, but I think this is what I need. But actually, was a was a that was like a a really important part of my career as well. Not to keep talking about high school stuff, but like because in Fargo at the time, like we had grown the group, and like Rod was super into running, but I was still like the weird runner guy, you know. Uh, but I kind of liked it. I leaned into it too. Like I had Gump on my driver's license plate. I like yeah. I like to be like the weird runner guy, but that was like a great moment for me. Cause it was like a hundred other guys like me. 
from their high mm-hmm. schools. Yeah. So then it yeah. kind of gave me that confidence, like, okay, I'm not like the weirdest person on earth because I like this. There's a lot of people. There's just not that many people in Fargo right now. Um, but by the end, when when we were done, I think I think our roster was up to like 50 or 60 guys at Fargo South by the end. Um, and we had some really good teams as well, but kind of the culture got built over time. But that's what's like a moment for me to know that I'm not just like some weirdo loser that likes doing this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why I use the term weirdo loser. There, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a hard segue. Yeah. I, I got Good it. luck, I Ryan. It. What's up next? <laughs> so speaking of I, weirdo losers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh okay. So here, I'll 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 give it a shot here. Uh no segue. I'm just gonna go right into it. Um Good. from my perspective, Andrew, uh, you kind of at you know in your career, you were at some pretty special points in like the history of like distance running. You know, so from my like memory you know so a little bit biased but you know your kind of uh class or that like four or five years there was kind of maybe like the start of like some real star power in uh in like north dakota cross country i know there was like absolute like legends before you as well but you know that was kind of probably because like that's when coach Allen. So my coach like started coaching. So he had a lot of like stories from when you were running and stuff like that. So uh, to me, that's kind of like the, the start of, you know, North Dakota, something special in North Dakota running. And then as you, you know, go through college, you know, you, you ran at the same time as some like legends uh, and then on to like your professional career too, with like Salinsky and like Webb and like Nick Willis. And I know you've told stories about that uh, Ritz and, you know, like all yeah. these guys, you know, um, I, I guess I don't really have like a, a question related to that, but I, yeah, I no, it, no, that it's a great, yeah, no, sorry. I cut you off before. Well, and, you and, and then also just with like asking whatever you were asking, <laughs> <laughs> and just with like the, the like the the internet and how I was like trying let's to do you run. A favor there, Cameron. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you go. You know, it was it's a special time. I love you it. know, I love talking crap to Cam. No, it was, <laughs> and like I truly, truly, I was a fan the whole time. Like I never, I never saw myself like because I was like uh, I ran nine twenty seven and four twenty four in high school, so that was good running, but that wasn't like. I was not like a guy, like I won one state title in North Dakota. I never won anything on the track. So those guys to me were like, I was fans of all of that because I never saw myself in that category. And I probably had an imposter syndrome for a lot of time. Like when I started to get closer, it kind of felt weird almost. Um, but it was, I mean, if you look back on, on that era of, of guys coming out of, out of high school and now, I mean, it's crazy now, but back then, yeah. I mean, Nathan Ritz and I ran thirteen forty four in high school for five k in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Right. I mean, that's I don't know what he'd be running today. It's probably thirteen twenty something, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were like this elevated class of people that all of a sudden it was like there were great runners forever. But these guys seemed like they could do something like worldwide. Um, yeah. That's really what it what it felt like. Um, it was actually kind of crushing at points too because. Yeah they were so good and seeing how much better they were than where I was at was like, it was frustrating. Like my first two years of college, I think I was just trying so hard to get there. Um, knowing like 
I was probably doing too much. So I was hurt a lot and everything. So what changed for me was when I just kind of focused on my own personal development and my own, like, I'm just going to celebrate little successes. Like if it gets me to where Dathan Rinsenheim is great, but if it doesn't, I'm just going to be where, where I'm at. Um, but yeah, especially when I was in college, like the big 10 at the time was like Nick Willis, Nate Brandon, who was a Canadian Olympian, um, Kagan Camp, Solinsky, Simon Byrou, Tim Nelson. I mean, I could go down this list of like yeah. 20 guys. So when you get on the line at a big 10 meet, like I'd be like, oh, I think I could be top three or I'd be like, or I could run well and get 25th. Um, right, right. So it, it was a great environment for me. Um, Cause when I came out of high school, I was getting recruited by everybody. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean all, all the best schools. I mean, everybody okay. like, D3 schools were selling me on the idea that I could come and potentially be a national champion, you know, and D2 schools were selling me like I could come be an All-American. Like the mid-major D1s were like, you could come be conference. And like the high D1s were like, you can walk on and see how good you can be. And that was more like what I liked. I was like, I'm just going to go somewhere and get my butt kicked and see what happens. Um, And I did. But yeah, that that was a really special, but like where that kind of came for me, especially where you said like I was in some like the time of some big moments, but I was in the race that Ryan Hall ran 59 43 for the half marathon. And this is my own personal perspective. I think that was a huge shift um, in American distance running, especially in the longer distances that Mm -hmm. day. Um, And it was hilarious because I had, um, I was signed with ASICs at the time, but it was just like year and bonuses. Um, So I was trying to get them to pay me. Uh, but they said, well, let's see how you do this year. And then we'll come back. And if you approve, we'll give you some money. Well, I approved, but they said, well, we want to see what you do at the Houston half marathon. So I went there like, absolutely. Like I need to prove myself, blah, blah, blah. And then Ryan ran 59, 43 and I ran great. I read, I was fourth, 62, 43. Um, did, <laughs> so you, it was like, did you beat Meb in that race? No, I didn't. It went, it went, uh, Ryan Hall, Meb, Basile, myself, um, those four, but like I think Meb was like sixty-two twenty-one. Yeah. Sixty-two forty-three. So we were all kind of like the three of us, I could see them the whole time, but I never saw Ryan. Like he was gone. And uh, I remember getting done and I'm like, he was with A62. And I was like, I wish he would have run 5944. Cause this just seems too literal. <laughs> this is exactly three minutes behind this guy. And I can tell you A6 did not pay me any money after that despite my improvement. <laughs> I think it all went to him. Um, so, but that was like a, a, a special day. And on top of that, that was like flow tracks first, like thing too. Yeah. Like yeah. that was their first like big um, competition that they covered and like covered the whole race. So I think to me, this is just my opinion because everyone could have their difference, but especially longer distance running um, one, a guy ran 59, 43. That's an American. That's unbelievable. And two, it was videoed <laughs> and yeah, like put yeah. online and people saw it. And like, yeah, that was just like a good chills thinking about it. Um, Cause that was a really special day uh, for distance running that I kind of got to be a part of yeah. um, in a way, but uh, more so as a, as a spectator. <laughs> tell, but tell, but yeah, no, it was a, yeah. I was just going to say, tell, tell about when you knew that Ryan was running out of his mind that day oh yeah yeah um so there was well i knew that ryan was gonna be good 
we, well, everyone knew that. So I'm, I'm not the only person that thought that, but we had run the US 20K that ball together and we were together with two miles to go. And I looked over at him and it literally looked like he had just got done eating breakfast, like nothing had happened to him. And he just, he, he floated away the last two miles. That's all I can describe it. Like there was nothing anyone could do. Um, so when we got to Houston, I was like, okay, I think Ryan will win, but I, I don't know, maybe I'll be close. <laughs> That's what I yeah. thought. Cause in the, in the 20 K we were still together, but there's this hairpin turnaround at the nine mile mark in the Houston half marathon. You end up running back, um, across so you can see all the competitors going that way so i'm running and i see ryan coming back down the other side of the road and i like i knew ryan so i pointed at him and he gave me a thumbs up and the last thought i had was like oh thank god like this turnaround's coming up that turnaround did not appear for a long time <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i kept going like waiting for this turnaround and i spent the last like four miles of that race like gunning it like trying to catch Vasil and Meb and like competing but also with this thought in the back of my head of like what did Ryan run like what is this you yeah. know like that is so far ahead and I'm on like PR pace and all this stuff and I remember when I was coming down the home stretch he was jogging down the road with an American flag <laughs> the <laughs> other way <laughs> yeah. like oh man so but yeah so no yeah I was like I got to be at a very special time, but I think right now is, is that same feeling. I mean, like, but like more, there's just yeah. so many good high schoolers right now that it's just like, it's hard to know who's going to be the good ones. Um, right. cause there's so many. Um, and at the time we had like three or four and now I feel like there's like 30 or 40 that like could be the next big thing. Right. Um, so it's crazy to think just like, even like 10 years ago, you know, a guy like <clears throat> Will Lear, was winning, you know, like U.S. indoor titles and stuff like that. And he was like a 420 miler in high yeah. school. And now I there's know. like multiple high schoolers breaking four in the mile every single I year. I saw, like, this, uh, I saw this, I saw this, I was following along with this St. Louis distance meet, the Hoka Festival yeah, of Miles. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. it was. And I looked at the developmental boys mile heat. There was like a couple 407 guys in there. I was like, yeah developmental is 407 <laughs> like uh, hey sorry boys sorry boys yeah not good enough yeah we're not allowing you to wear spikes we don't want you chewing up the track so put your trainers on we'll get through this pay your injury fee right. like, 407 <laughs> what <laughs> so andrew you should yeah can you also tell your story your uh nick willis big 10 story oh yeah absolutely um it, it was actually fun fun this past so i worked at the last two years and I actually got to go recruit at the Ohio State meet um, which is at Jesse Owens Stadium on campus of Ohio State and I hadn't I had not been back there since my fifth year of college um, which was in 2005 and when I walked in it was like flooded with like nostalgia but like not not fun nostalgia like <laughs> painful and fearful nostalgia yeah um, but my my fifth year so I had been second in the big 10 and in, in like indoor track i was fourth in cross country i'd been third i'd been like i'd been basically all the places except for first um so my fifth year i was like that was my goal and we got to the big 10 meet and it was crazy because like all the best guys didn't run the 5k um like they were all in the 10k the 1500 the steeplechase so it was literally like i was the number one seed 
for the first time in my career in the Big Ten. So it's like, yeah. I'm going to win. Uh, and then I'm looking at the heat sheets and I'm like, okay, well, Nick Willis is in it. Um, well, he's never run a 5K. So I probably got him. I'll be fine. You know, that was my last thought. And the race started and it kind of went out slow. So I was like, well, I know Nick is going to have a kick. So I got to go now. So from a mile, a mile in, so two miles out, I basically just started like hammering as hard as I could and not looking back. I'm like, not look back, just put your head down and go. So just like clipping off lap after lap, like we got to the two mile mark and I couldn't hear him anymore. So I was like, oh, I think I broke him. This is great. So I just took a quick look over my shoulder and uh, his face was like one centimeter away from mine and uh, (laughs) breathing, breathing less hard than I am telling the story right now. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) what what is this? Like, I thought I had dropped him. so then I like started trying to like jog the turns and like sprint the straights. I was trying to like fart like my way to glory and <laughs> nothing was happening. So 600 meters to go, he clipped me on the heels and I shot him a dirty look back to like, you know, intimidate him. And um, in, in this voice, he just said, sorry, mate, uh, keep up the good work. I was like, <laughs> oh, I am, I am done for. So we got to the home stretch and I quote unquote held him off from 500 to 400 and then uh i ran a 64 last lap and he ran 53 so i got 11 seconds put on me in one lap and uh 11 seconds isn't that much in life it's a lot (laughs) on a lap it's a lot (laughs) like it was a lot like he was not on the same track as i was by the end but so two things i learned that day though that actually i carry with me um that so i got across the line and i like made a motion to my coach like angrily, you know, kind of not blaming him, but almost looking at him like, why couldn't I do that? You know? Um, and if you know, coach Placentia at all, he's Cameron's met him. Yep. He's got a gear. <laughs> he's got a pretty high gear that he can get to. And he was not happy with me on that. Uh, and pulled me aside and basically told me like what he just did, you'll never be able to do. So don't worry <laughs> about it. You know? And that was <laughs> freeing me like i needed to hear that like yeah there are some people that are put on this earth that are just different than you <laughs> like yeah. that's okay like that guy is special so obviously he went on to win multiple olympic medals so the story gets better as the the years go on but the yeah. other part i remember about that is you know you have your great friends like your best friends and uh they did not give me one second to wallow because all they were telling me the whole time was how easy it was for him. And he had actually shut it down with 150 to go. Um, oh. <laughs> I was oh. like, thanks boys. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, so getting put 11 seconds on by Nick Willis was a moment I'll never forget in my life. Did you, did you think back to that race when you were doing your birthday mile, trying to break five minutes uh, and Nick Willis was trying to break four minutes as a 40 uh, year old? Yeah. So I actually put him on my Instagram passage and i said your move nick willis <laughs> after i broke five because he had just broken four that year and yeah. the unfortunate thing about it was he just like he did respond but he was like sincere <laughs> he said like great job mate or something and i'm like no yeah. no 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 <laughs> this wasn't this wasn't meant to be like i was serious here like <laughs> i'm trying to start beef broke- yeah, I'm like this is a joke, but he was just so nice about it that I like felt weird. 
was like, well, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. you but, finish your University of Minnesota career and then yeah. you sign pro. Tell us, like, I know just a little bit about your professional career, but like, I'm genuinely interested. What was that process oh. like at the time? And like how, you know, I know you ran with some different shoe companies. So kind of what was like the progression? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know this has gone long here, boys. I hope we cut some of this stuff out because it's going to get long here because we're, we haven't even gotten into coaching yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. This is good. And honestly, I, we can I always gra- do, we can always do two parts too. Okay. I, I, I just graduated college. Um, so <laughs> we're, when, we gotta- when I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Put part two behind a paywall, though, Ryan. We <laughs> exactly. got to start making some money off of this. <laughs> you got to get a Patreon. I, I I don't know if I'd be the one to start trying to get people to pay to listen to. Maybe get Laura Raisler back on, yeah. and then put that one up behind the paywall. Um, no, when I got done college, like I had a few opportunities to join groups around the country. Um, so one was Zap Fitness out in North Carolina. The other was Team USA Minnesota in Minneapolis. And then the other one was called this Big Sur Distance Project. And it was out in Monterey, California. Um, so I chose out there partially because, I don't know, I'd been in Minneapolis for that long. I wanted like something different. Um, so I went out there. This is kind of a sad part of the story, but my mom had passed away my fifth year of college. Um, and that was in the spring. So I made the move to California basically like a few months after. Um, and I just, I was absolutely not ready, um, to go out there. It was like emotional and I was dealing with some mental stuff and everything. So I made it out there like three weeks. And then I drove back, uh, to Rochester, Minnesota, where my dad was living. I just lived in this basement for a month and I was going through all these pros and cons of where I was going to go next and what I was going to do. And, um, I convinced him that I needed to go to Boulder, Colorado to train in this, and I remember what he told me, he's like, because I had this all written out, pros and cons. And he's like, your only option is Team USA Minnesota if they'll take you. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you, you're, I'm not giving you any money like, to go to Boulder. Like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have anything. Like, yeah. this is your option if you want to do this. So I reached out to them and they accepted me, thankfully. And, and like, I look back on it, one of those moments, like I said, like, I kind of joined like, oh, I don't know if I should do this and blah, blah, blah. And it was absolutely 100% the best thing I could have done. Um, so I'm like really thankful that they let me come back on board and that my dad gave me that very stern guidance um, because it, it put me in a, in a place where I got to work with Dennis Parker, who's the coach. And then all of the athletes they had there were just incredible, including Kerry Tolson, who had just made the Olympic team and mm-hmm. Matt Gabrielson, who had run at Drake and he was kind of like me, but he was getting really good and all this stuff. So it just ended up being a really great environment for me there. Um, but the one thing I didn't want to do when I got there though, was run the half marathon. I was like, thought I was a track guy, but they kind of made me, told me I had to do it if I was going to join the team. That's kind of how it felt. So I just did it. Um, so I ran a half marathon, like my first professional race. And I remember laying in bed the night before, like, cause our goal was to run five minute pace, which would be 65, 30, I think. Um, and I remember laying in bed the night before, like, how am I going to run five minute mile pace for 13.1 miles? Like it seemed so crazy. Um, but then the next day I ran 63.20, which is like 448 pace. Um, I was like, oh, okay. I think I might've found a good event for me. Um, so that's kind of how I got into like the longer distance type stuff right away was on that, that performance. 
Um, so I raced mostly like road racing. I was big on that circuit. Um, I would dabble on the track a bit, but I just never had like that, that gear. And I also wasn't like, I wasn't good enough at the track. Like Cam, have you ever run a 10 K on the track? I don't think you yeah. have. No, no. Yeah. Never. Cause that should have been my event, but for whatever reason, I had like a mental block because anyone else I talked to about it, they'd be like, Oh, I don't look at the lap counter until till seven to go. They're like able to not look at it mm-hmm. where when I would start a 10 K on the track, I'd be like 23 more laps. Yeah. <laughs> like I liked, <laughs> yeah. I liked the rhythm of, of road running. Cause it was a lot like cross country, but mm-hmm. like harder surface. So I, I didn't have to like get stuck in the mud. Um, so I liked the rhythm of that. I liked like the surging and like, I liked like one mile to go that felt short one mile to go on the track felt so far to me. Um, so for whatever reason, I kind of took to that. So, um, my first contract was at ASICS, but then my first like paid contract, I signed with Adidas. Um, and then, you know, that was a, a really good opportunity for me. And I got, my agent was Ray Flynn at the time. And then I was able to win the U S 15 K title. Um, and then I was second in the USA K title. And I was like, I was really running well with Adidas. Um, but then after that, I kind of felt like I was like flattening out a bit in Minneapolis. So I took a chance and I moved to Flagstaff, Arizona for two and a half years. And I was coached by Greg McMillan. Um, and I trained with like guys from all around the world. And that was a good experience, but I really missed being at home. Um, so again, like it is, I had to come groveling back and they accepted me, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> again so i started working with them again and that's when i started really focusing um on the marathon or later on in my career um with them and then i ended up signing with brooks for the basically the duration of, of my career which was a great company as well so what that was the, kind of like i don't know what the story was there but uh yeah something tell us what types of super shoes you were wearing back then yeah, that's the Mach Sevens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the T. I think they were called Mach Sevens with Brooks. They, my super shoe was Brooks had a um, a a spikeless spike. Yes. And uh, whenever I had a race like five k on the roads, everyone would be in like racing flats, and I would be in like spikes without the spikes in them. That was my idea of like gaining an edge. <laughs> uh, but every time my calves would just be absolutely shredded afterwards why do i do this uh yeah so there there weren't super shoes at the time it was more like orthotics and uh stability (laughs) control in asics kianos to reduce stress fractures that was kind of more of a super (laughs) shoe (laughs) i man i i just look back at pictures of like of ryan hall you know or you know, some pictures of, of like you as well running the, in these marathons or like Meb and, you know, when he won yeah. New York and like the, the, I don't even know what to call them. You know, the, the racing flats, it's just yeah, like, yeah. It, it's mind blowing how different, you know, they are than the shoes now. Yeah. Well, and everything was predicated on weight. Lightness. That was right. my, that was my only concern. Like, that's all I cared about. I didn't care how it felt. I didn't care how it looked. I just cared like, is it light? Um, so that's funny. So remember when we raced the 5k Cameron? Yeah. Peterson was there. Yeah. It was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. I bought flats for that race and I considered buying super shoes for it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make this commitment for this 5k. I'm going to put down $275 or whatever. I was 100% willing 
to do that for that 5k that we raced against each other during the pandemic. But as I did my research, I realized they were heavier than some of the other flats. So I still had that mindset of like, no, I need something lighter. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, now it's totally changed. Now I'm just looking for like the thickest sole I could possibly get under my foot uh, oh. with the highest amount of carbon to like make this as easy as humanly possible every single day. <laughs> I, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting how different, uh, you know, shoe tech is, but I liked how I liked the like flats for like road stuff yeah. and like track workouts and stuff. So Absolutely. it's, it, it yeah. definitely like worked like you it's going to be a bunch of old heads talking about this, but I've even found that I don't like to use like the big thick sole on the track. Cause I feel uneven yeah, <laughs> when yeah. I'm trading for my birthday mile, I'll still go back to a typical flat for my track yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart choice. So yeah, very, you can't, you can't be rolling person. your ankles. Can't be no, rolling I can't, I can't catch an injury three days before the birthday mile and not run no. sub five. <laughs> so I got, I got one more question. So I remember when uh, I like first decided I was going to NDSU and like looking at the coaching staff, I specifically remember going to your bio and like, who are these coaches? Who am I going to be working with the next few years? And uh, one of the things that always stood out to me was you at the time had the fastest uh, marathon debut by an American. Um, Seventh fastest. Was it seventh fast? I thought it was the yeah, fast. Yeah, it wasn't fast. You, you're telling no. me I've been telling people all this time that you had the hey, fast. That's fine that you say that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your listenership is like these days. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's in the millions. So I hate to burst this <laughs> bubble, but no, it was seventh fastest. Yes. Which, but okay, still really impressive. Just can you t- touch on that? <laughs> just not first? as much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, now I, now I just feel like I've been yeah, your no, biggest no, hype. It's man. All good. Hire me for no, whatever no. hype things you need. But oh, yeah, yeah. But tell us about that debut. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of a cool a cool story because like my first I remember like when I was like little, I remember telling my mom like my first goal in life was to be five feet and a hundred pounds. I remember <laughs> telling her that. I was like, if I'm ever five feet and a hundred pounds, I'm good. And now looking back, like that is such a small person. Like that is as a, as a tiny human being. Um, but uh mm. my my first like athletic goal goal in running was like to run a five minute mile i just thought that was like if i could run a five minute mile like i'm probably one of the best in the world this is great um so i but like as you know you go you like break five for the first time so then you're like i wonder if i could do this for two miles you know and then it keeps stretching out and stretching out um so when i made my debut in the marathon it was at olympic trials in 2012 you could qualify on a half marathon or a 10k time as well um I really had no expectation of my time goal. I just, I knew I was going to get around guys. I knew I could race. Um, that was my only intention because I had confidence. I could run with the right people. I just didn't know what pace we'd be going. Um, so pretty much the entire time I knew I was running well, but I didn't know what it was adding up to. Um, so they, they had taken off really fast and I was in probably a pack of like 20 guys and it kept getting whittled down and whittled down and whittled down. And then it was left to just the top four guys and then me and Brett Gocher. And I ended up getting six and I ran 211.24. And I remember I went back to the hotel room. I still didn't know what that pace meant. So um, I went back to the hotel room. I looked up the results and it had 211.24 and my pace was five minutes per mile. And that was like a, I remembered back when I was young and like, that was my goal was to run one of those. Um, 
So however many years later to run 26 in a row without stopping. Um, if you had told me that when I was young, my brain probably would have exploded. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all of this stuff, it's always in, in context, too. Um, that's why running it like is such an individual pursuit, because somebody could see me run to 24 and be like, that's a superhuman. And they were put on this earth to run. Um, and then Elliot Kipchoge would look at that time and be like, that's very good for an amateur. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like that, that yeah. balance of finding what, what it is for you, um, more than anything. So I, I, I really do think that's probably the best race I've ever run, um, for me, um, just cause of the way I felt, um, I did die pretty hard the last like three or four miles, but I kept it together. Um, but that was like a, a really important day just personally, um, for me because of that number that came up at the end. Um, so yeah. yeah, I, I, when I, I, I tell that story to Andrew, like to, I, yeah. I just like on runs with whoever, you know, if it ever like comes up, I, I just always think that's cool. Kind of like throughout yeah. your, yeah. you know, so much centered around five minute, you know, first it was the five minute mile. And then I'm yeah. sure at some point it was like 1535 for five K, you know, five minute pace there yeah. and 10 K, exactly. you know, to, to yeah. do that over a, a full marathon is just. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll segue, I'll segue this into, I think Cam can talk about this too, but you know, in in coaching as well, uh, sometimes it's hard to, to keep that, that balance within a group, right? Um, It's hard to like, build up the people that are maybe not contributing at the highest level versus the people that are at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been times when I've done a good job of that. There's been times I haven't done a good job of that. But when I'm doing it well, um, it really is honing in on like what brings it out of that person and what's their peak. Um, and if yeah. they're pursuing that, that's a, a really good feeling. Like when someone comes in and so we were talking about Alex Bartholomew before, like that guy ran, well, before this podcast started, but that guy ran four Oh five in college for the mile, which is a good time. It's a great yeah. time, you know? Um, but it's not making it to NCAs or, you know, winning an NCAA title or going professional but he ran 405 and he was a 207, 800 meter runner in high school, you know, yeah. like a 430 guy. So when you look at things like that and you like, you get to be a part of someone's individual journey and to see like how far they can go. Um, and whether that's 405 or that's 355 or that's 415, um, when people start pursuing those things, like it's pretty amazing what can happen um, when they're not just thinking, oh, I'm bad at this or I'm, so far behind it's like well how do i just get a little bit better um so that's been like the easiest transition for me from my own running into coaching um has been that of trying to like highlight progress over everything else um because you just never know once progress starts like where it's going to end like who knows um so when we set goals like cameron set goals with me for five years you know um and I love setting goals because everyone always sets like the craziest goal they've ever heard of, you know? Um, <laughs> but then it's like trying to break down of like one, what's realistic um, and what's just beyond our reach. Like let's get there first and then we'll go to the next thing. Um, and that's a mistake I made a lot in my own career was like, I, I remember like when I got to college, my whole goal was 1350 for 5k and become an all American. That was my only goals. So I've changed this now and there's no barely any money in there anyways, but like my ATM pin code was 1350. Like 
1350 was above my door when I'd leave. Like everything in my life was 1350. Yeah. And I was a 1450 guy. And so every time I raced, I was disappointed because of like my expectation was so far away from my reality. So my sophomore year of college, I remember indoors, I didn't make the conference indoor team, but I was an alternate. So seeing my name as an alternate, I got to have the opinion of like, they made a huge mistake. <laughs> you know, I'm so much better than this. Like they yeah. should have picked me. And then it got to outdoors. And literally this is a sheet on the wall, guys. This isn't an email. This is a sheet that everyone would crowd around and look at. And I'm looking for my name on the list. It's not on the list. So I go down to the alternates. I'm not an alternate. And I remember that moment. And like, I didn't sleep for like two nights. And I remember thinking like, finally had the realization of like, my goal is 1350 and being all American, but I'm not even on the top 37 guys on our own team. So where's the disconnect here? So it was that summer I started setting more like intermediate goals um, and changing kind of my approach, nutrition and form and the way I treated my body and all of that. And then I just started celebrating small success. Um, And next thing you know, like when I ran 1344 for the 5k my senior year, that didn't feel like a shock. Then it was like, oh, what can I do beyond this? Um, where when I started, if I'd run 1350, then I would have just like quit. But like, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> like, I got lucky. Um, so, anyways, I kind of got yeah. off on a tangent there, but no, I think I think you did a you did a good job of instilling that into like into our training and the way you coached when you were coaching me. But I I don't think it just that the my stage that I was in, I don't think it really like clicked for me. I had that same sort of mindset, like, Oh, I got to make it to NCAA cross country, you know? And if I don't yeah. make it to NCAAs, then, you know, this whole thing is, is a letdown or whatever. It's for not. But, yeah. Right. Right. But it really, yeah. I mean, there were, there were moments where I could, you know, I, I feel like the success that I did have, I was able to to celebrate and stuff, but it really yeah. clicked for me when I, I started coaching with, uh, with Maddie at Concordia for that oh, one semester. Yeah. And that's just, it's just, you know, it's a different group of group of athletes that come from a different place than, you know, the athletes at NDSU. And um, yeah, I don't know. Then it just yeah. like clicked to me. It's like, Oh, like everybody at any level needs to like mm-hmm. find out what, yeah, what success is to them and what, uh, yeah. what growth. And, you know, I think, the, the athletes we had at Concordia were like better. They were better at that than I was. They were better at, yeah. you know, focusing on what they wanted to accomplish. Cause they were there, you know, most of them were there on their own, you know, will. Yeah. Uh, no That's a choice. Was, There's no yeah. scholarship. Yeah. You're there every day because you want to be there. Exactly. Potentially. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, because they wanted to be there, they, they it all, it's almost like they had more freedom to like set more like personalized goals and know what, the work needed to be done to like achieve them, you know? Yeah. So I, I honestly think like the best athletes in the world probably operate under those similar circumstances. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like I think that's a mindset of success, not just of acceptance, you know, it's like, let me get a little bit better at this. Let me, mm-hmm. let me get a little bit more and then let me get a little bit more. And then, you know, it starts happening. I was actually talking to a, a recruit today on the phone. Um, and I was talking to her about, you know, how serious I take this sport, you know, because um, I don't want anyone to ever, I'm kind of can come off as a nice person and friendly and fun and everything. But like, 
at the end of the day, this is like a, a very big deal uh, to me. And um, I was t- kind of explaining that to her. And I said, like, the reason I'm comfortable with that, though, is that like, while you pursue this, so many other great things are going to be happening um, to you. Like, just focusing on running, it's kind of scary to some people because um, they like want that balance and all this. And I, I totally understand that. But when you put your all your effort into something, you learn so much more. Like you learn about time management, you learn about balance, you learn about team dynamics, you learn about working in a group. So like, I just think the sport takes care of so much of that stuff, special in that way, um, that allows us to focus on results and focus on pursuing this um, because of like the elements. And I think you guys can both speak to that, like your experiences as college athletes when you look back on it, yeah, it's a lot of performance stuff. And we talk a lot about races and competitions, but there's so much more that happened um, throughout that process that had nothing to do with track and field and nothing to do with running um, that you learned and, and grew from that. I just, I just think it's really, really special in that way. Um, and it's kind of hard to replicate outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, we often, you know, with the people that we have on the podcast or either, you know, in high school going to college or, you know, I've, you know, been through the NCA system in one way or another. And we usually ask them about what their recruiting journey was like, how, who they got recruited by, what, you know, what the visits were like. Um, but I don't know if we've ever asked a coach what it's like to recruit athletes. Um, can you give us a little snapshot yeah, into what it's like to, to recruit athletes? Yeah, that's uh, something that's probably like, <laughs> so it's funny, I, I kind of got to get my mind right on this of how to answer this. So Cameron has this experience where Cameron was the first person I ever recruited. Um, and that was not by design. I had come up to NDSU just to check things out. Yeah. Um, I did that first December meet, like Ryan had offered me a part-time position starting in January but they had a home meet. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to go up and watch, see what I'm working with type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I got there. And if you remember Cameron, Lars sent me with all of you guys to lunch by myself. <laughs> I didn't know any of your names. I yeah. knew nothing. I knew no one. I knew nothing about NDSU. I knew nothing about, I knew about Fargo, but like that was it, you know? And I remember introducing people to each other, not knowing either of their names. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, meet this person. They're like shaking hands. I'm like leaning in trying to figure out like who I'm talking to. Um, but that was, it was a great first introduction to it because recruiting is so, so much like thinking on your feet and and like you're having conversations and you kind of don't, when you get on the call with someone, you don't know them, you know? So it's a lot of like, can be kind of awkward at first. Um, and when I first started out, yeah, I was like terrible on the phone. It was like the worst, like I would lay like sit at home, just like praying. I didn't have to make a call because I was like, I can't do this. Um, but then as you go, you kind of get into a rhythm more. Um, and then it, it becomes enjoyable too, because you, for me, when I'm recruiting someone, I mean, I ask a lot of pointed questions, um, that might not seem like they mean anything, but I want to know about them. Like, how much do they like enjoy what they're doing and like, you know, how much volume are they running obviously. But like, I try to get to know like the things around running, not just the result. Um, Cause it usually gives you a sign of like what's to come. Um, every time a kid like runs like really little each week and then is like 
yeah, I'm not really into this or whatever, but they're really good. I, I kind of go for the person that might enjoy it a little bit more because I know they're willing to put the work in when they get to college. Um, yeah. That's like kind of what you're looking for. But I can say in recruiting now, um, the parents are getting a lot closer to my age, <laughs> which is which is weird because I don't have kids. And now that I'm the same age as people that have kids in college, which is a <laughs> jarring experience sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it's actually gotten more fun now that that's happened as well. So like I used to like when I go out to recruiting dinners, I felt like the weird like older brother in the mix, yeah. you know, I'm like trying to relate to the young person and I'm trying to relate, relate to their parents. And now I'm in a place where like I relate to the parents so I can just give the athlete to the, the student host and they can have a great time. And I can talk about Dumb and Dumber or Master P or something with like 40 year olds, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, but like, so like recruiting in North Dakota, when I got there, I was like, I'm going nationwide. I don't know why Godfrey hasn't gotten like kids from California here yet. You know, like they must not be working hard enough. Um, and then you realize like we're in Fargo and, uh, probably not going to talk a kid from San Diego to move into North Dakota. Um, so you really find your, you find kind of your region, right. That you're really heavy into. So for me, that was kind of more small town, North Dakota, small town, Minnesota and Canada. Um, and every now and then somebody from somewhere else, but that was kind of the range at at Bradley. It's going to be a far different experience because we have a, a very international roster that I'd like to, to keep. Um, so that's going to be a new challenge for me. I've, I've recruited internationally in the past, um, but to make these connections with the kids that are on the team now and their coaches back home, I think is going to be a really important part of this um, as we get started. So over the last three weeks, I've basically been recruiting the people on our own team um, for the first time ever. Because with the transfer portal, there's a lot that can happen. Um, and it's been really fun. Like I've had these zoom calls and each time someone comes up, it's like, they might be from South Africa. They might be from Illinois. Like you don't know um, Mm -hmm. where they're coming from. So I I've had like talks with Italian coaches, Swedish coaches, French coaches. Like it's been like really fun in that way. Um, So I think my recruiting is going to kind of pivot more in that direction going forward while also trying to keep, you know, the local area, Illinois, Missouri, and obviously anyone that wants to come run at Bradley in the country is welcome. Um, but I see that kind of as our region right now. So but I'm looking forward to that challenge of it. Um, I didn't accept the job at Bradley because I thought it was going to be an easy one. I think it's actually going to be very, very hard um, to keep this going and, and to push it forward. But I think I think I'm ready at this point, too. So. Yeah, yeah. I I just think it's so hard, like. The NCAA has just changed so much. Like even from the time that Cam and I were in college, like not that long ago, and just the transfer portal and so many different yeah. ways, like everything in general, like the landscape is so different. And I'm sure you've seen it change in your coaching career too. But um, yeah, it, it's also well, funny I, how it it comes down to the same thing, right? Like relationships. Like a, yeah. a good coach is always going to have good relationships, and you can yeah. no matter what changes you've always been so good at that. And so it's going to be fun to see you well, build that think, just in a different way. Yeah, I appreciate that. That you're being too nice to me. That's why I was cutting you off there. But um, anyways, <laughs> um, when I, <laughs> no, I, I was actually, I was, I'm very, I'm really thankful the way this, the coaching career started for me. Um, 
in that I was in a place where like Ryan, when I first started Godfrey basically just gave me the group like sight unseen, the distance runners. Um, and I, I never coached before, <laughs> you know? Um, so I was like, kind of like, I hope I'm good at this. You know, I think I know the training part, but there's so much else that comes into it that I didn't realize when I first started. Like, I really thought I was going to be just like at practice, you know, um, mm -hmm. and doing this. But then what, what NDSU really showed me is that relationship piece is so important um, in all of this, whether it's recruiting or anything. And that's like Lars and Stevie, those are those type of people. Um, but beyond that too, development is still always going to be a thing. Um, like we're in a point right now where like you can feel like you're screwed because you didn't sign one of the eight sub four minute milers in the country, you know? Yeah. And then I look back and I think about Alex Bartholomew and I'm like, okay, that kid was four thirty and ran four Oh five. So I still believe in people that aren't like the top, top of the class, you know, cause I believe in development. I believe in long-term growth, all of those things. So I think that's what probably made it a little bit different for me in the power five setting. Um, where it was so much about like, what have you done in high school? And like, if you haven't done this, you're never going to do this. Um, and part of me is like, I just have never seen it that way. Obviously you're trying to recruit the best person possible. Um, but you just like, when I look at like a 415 miler, I'm like, this guy could be a 355 guy in two years. You just never know, um, their background and, and all of this. So, um, there's always going to be a piece in that in recruiting is like looking for the diamond in the rough or like the kid that you think has potential going forward. There's always going to be someone that surprises you the other way too. Like this is a surefire, no doubt 12 time first team all American. And then they're just not, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, that balance is, is hard, but I, I, it's the fun part of it too. Andrew, we have had, so much fun talking to you. And I don't think this conversation's done yet. Actually, I know for a fact it's not done yet. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to call this part one. And <laughs> I hope there's a part two. And I, I'm sure next week we'll get time to record a part two. But uh, even if it comes down the road, there will be you'll be on the show again. Um, you know me, though, Enerson. You, you've ghosted me before. This might be the before, last time you but... ever heard of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> heard of me ever again. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully not. I, and you I know me. You know that happens. I've ghosted you too. So. Oh, I know you have. I bet I bet part two happens in the build-up to the LA Olympics would be my guess. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. 2028. Um, We're getting it done by then. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. But no, I think we'll we'll put a wrap there. We've got cam's got to go to sleep and get up work for work early you need to stop and get gas in your car i need to go home and see my wife so this is going to be part one okay. part two will be coming soon uh and all we'll right. talk more about bradley and and just play all the fun games we want yeah well i miss you guys and i appreciate you taking the time to do this um yeah, this is this was really fun, and obviously, if you need anything from me ever, just call me, and I'll call you back in the, within a within a year. <laughs> well, well, Carlson, we need part two next week. So <laughs> okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, good. all right. Perfect. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, you. Andrew. Yeah, it was really good catching up with you. 